So the big question is this. How are gigging musicians like us, who don't make any money streaming, who are spending money from our own pockets, how do we treat our music careers as online businesses in a way that lets us get our music and the things we believe in out to the world, yet still remain profitable? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Jared Judge, and welcome to the Gigging Musician Podcast. What's up, Gigging Musicians? It's Jared, and today I wanted to talk about market domination. So some backstory about my string quartet. When I launched it back in 2016, I had no idea what to do, honestly. I had gotten two degrees in music. One was a music education degree from Penn State, and then I was in the middle of my second degree, my master's degree in orchestra conducting at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. And what degrees in general are really good for is to teach you how to work for somebody else which means relying on somebody else to hand-feed you the gigs and um, not really teaching you how to get them yourself, which was very frustrating, but, you know, it it works for some people. But the sad thing was I kept seeing all of my friends graduate from these music schools with the intention of becoming a performer for a symphony orchestra or a touring company. And the, the people who actually did what they set out to do were the exception to the rule, not the rule. Far too often, I would see people get these degrees and then go off and work in a field other than music because it was too hard and they weren't equipped for the challenge of making it as as an actual musician. But, um, so when I was starting Dream City Strings, you know, I had this training of how to be an awesome musician, you know, how to put together an ensemble and rehearse and how to know the history of all the pieces, but not how to get the gigs. And so I didn't know what to do. So what I did was I went online, did some research, and the first first real resource that I found was this book published, I think it was in the 2000s, called The Musician's Guide to Brides by a harp player named Anne Roos, which, you know, it might have been slightly outdated at the time, but it was still great because it was um, it was somebody wrote about this very problem I was having how do I get couples to book me for their weddings and so it was just in that moment that I think I had this like light bulb go off that this is a real study this is just as legitimate to study as you know music history of the 1800s and they're not teaching that in college so to me just knowing that there were resources out there meant that I I could pursue this. I could dive deep into this and learn and apply my, my learning to my actual situation. And so I did. You know, the first... One of, um, one of Anne Roos's suggestions is exhibiting at wedding expos, which works for some people, doesn't work for others. You know, you, everybody has their own opinion about them. There are ways to optimize wedding expos. But, like, for me, when I exhibited at my first wedding expo, it was actually the Wisconsin LGBT Chamber of Commerce's wedding expo. And it was great because it was kind of low pressure. It was a smaller wedding expo, and I could kind of learn how this these expos happen. And what I learned very early on was, like, how the wedding industry worked. You know, I was placed next to a venue who was, um, you know, it was like a farm venue. This whole expo, it happens in a ballroom at a hotel. And there are just tables of all these different vendors. And what's amazing about it is that this ballroom is kind of like a miniature representation of your local market's wedding industry. 
And so, you know, I was placed next to wedding venues. There were wedding planners who were there. There were uh, dress shops. There were also, like, um, vacation planners and <laughs> weight loss people. Like, all these people who are latching onto the wedding industry. And just that experience alone blew my mind that, like, this is the industry that you're in. I'm not in the music industry. I am in the wedding industry. And these are all the key players. And so... What that made me realize is that, like, when a couple is planning their wedding, they're not necessarily, like, ready to book music right away. In fact, most couples, the first thing that they have to do is lock down the date at their venue, because without the venue, they don't have a place to actually host the event. And then I realized, like, they, they have this journey that they go on is after they book the venue, typically they book the photographer next some of them at that point will book a professional wedding planner. A lot of them elect to go at it alone. But what happens when they go at it alone, or even when they have a wedding planner, where do they find the rest of the, the wedding planning team that'll come together to make this amazing wedding on their day of? And so another thing that I realized is that these brides do go to wedding expos, but they also are searching on online directories like Wedding Wire and The Knot. They're also performing Google searches. They're also on Pinterest. And um, they're also on... Um, I'm sorry, the, the name is not on, uh, off the top of my head right now. So yeah, they're, they're doing all these searches online to find their wedding planning team, going to expos. And they might come across your group at one of those things. Like say you, you have a WeddingWire.com me membership. And I'm not... You know, I'm not a paid affiliate for WeddingWire.com, but my group is on it. When they go to WeddingWire.com and they see your group for the first time, they might not be ready to actually plan the music yet. And so they, they'll see your group name. They'll be like, oh, that looks cool. Oh, I'd love to have so-and-so's jazz quartet at my cocktail hour. But they're like, I'm not ready. I still need to get my caterer locked down. So then they'll go search for caterers and they'll go to another wedding expo and try out some food and oh um hey that group that I saw on wedding wire is also here at this wedding expo and so that's a second touch point that they now see you they saw your your profile on weddingwire.com but now they actually get to see you live at a wedding expo that's the second time they're seeing you they're still not ready to book they're like oh I need my dress now so they're gonna go dress shopping and go to the bridal shop uh, downtown. And the thing is, if you have a partnership with this bridal shop and they have your cards on their table of marketing materials of all the local vendors that they're partnered with, and they see the card for your jazz quartet, that's a third time that they've seen it. And by that point, they might be ready to start thinking about the music. So they take your card, then they go on your website. That's a fourth touch point. And if they like what they see, then they'll reach out to you and maybe eventually book you. And so the lesson here is that, you know, I've had people ask me, do I need a website? You probably heard my, my podcast a couple episodes ago about do I need a website? And the thing is, in order to be the most successful we can be in this wedding industry that we're in, we need to dominate the market. We need to dominate the conversation that's happening in these people's minds, be on Pinterest, be on WeddingWire, be on as many places as possible, Facebook ads if you can afford them. Because 
you know, like I said before, when they encounter your group for the first time, they might not be ready. And that is totally okay. But are you going to be in a place that they can find when they are ready? And if you're everywhere, it's impossible for them not to find you. So that is kind of the lesson of market domination for wedding musicians. And it's not a bad thing to be everywhere. It, it is a lot of work. So you don't have to do all of these at once. You know, start with one or two. And, you know, you'll still get people to book you from those one or two. But the more different channels that you appear on, wedding expos, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram. I think Instagram was the thing I couldn't figure out before. <laughs> so the more of these channels that you're on, the more chances they are uh, there are for that couple to find you when they're ready. And trust me, they will be ready. And they will remember who they've seen. It's just, were you in a place that, uh, that they were looking at by the time they were ready? So that's, uh, that's market domination for you. I hope that you found this useful. If you did, please make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and join the conversation that we're having at the Gigging Musicians Facebook group. Just do a quick Google search. It'll be the group powered by BookLive. And make sure to get your two-week free trial of BookLive Pro, the software I use to book and plan all of my gigs so that I don't have to spend all that extra time. You can get your two-week free trial at booklivepro.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Gigging Musician Podcast. If you liked this episode, then please take a screenshot on your phone and tag me and post on Instagram, letting me know what you liked about this episode and let me know what you would like to hear in future episodes. That will help me serve you better. Also, I would love to invite you to my upcoming five-day full-time music challenge. Just give me five short days and I will show you a step-by-step -step plan to make real consistent income with your music. It's totally free and you can register on fulltimemusicchallenge.com. That's fulltime, one word, no dash in between, fulltimemusicchallenge.com. Thanks again and I hope to see you in my next challenge.